in the meantime, while I wait for him, um, yeah, so K Salas, thank you for being a part of this thing with me. You know, um, you and I go way, way back from when yeah. we used to work together in retail. We can't talk about what place <laughs> due to legal purposes, of course. But I will okay. say that it is good to see you um, from the conversations you and I have had. You know, you've come such a long way and it's just good to see you. So uh, for those who don't know, um, you recently were part of the beauty pageant for the Miss New Jersey. Um, you were one of the finalists for this year. So um, how did this happen? Yeah, it was, oh, goodness. So the organization that I uh, had gone into was the Miss USA organization. So they do organize the state um, the state pageants, which is what I was a part of. And then I was, uh, so for those who like, like don't know about the pageant world, so there's a lot of different Miss New Jersey. Jerseys, I guess, because there's different organizations. So that's what I was okay. going to say. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, how did it come about? I, honestly, it's crazy how the algorithm works on Instagram because okay. it was yeah. like just flashing on my, on my Instagram, like all the time. And so it was in a moment where I was like, I need a new project. I need something to keep myself busy with and I was like let me click on this let me do some research and I sent in my application and my picture and not to make it sound super easy but like literally the following day is when I got like, like an email from the from the uh, pageant like uh, uh, office and they were like, okay, we would we would love to interview with you. And it was a ride from then on. So, wow. So, no, so walk me through how, like, walk us through what is it like? So, okay, so you, you pretty much got the email for the interview. And now they're hitting you up. So you go in and interview. So where was it? So where was it located? Like, how does the interview process work? Oh my God, there's so much. So I applied in October, November, maybe early November. Um, and so it's, you apply, you send in the form, you send in your picture, any picture you want. Um, full length probably is what I sent in, but I don't know if that's like a requirement. Uh, okay. And then it didn't ask any like hard hitting questions at that point. It was when I got the call for the interview with the, I can't really remember what, what her title was, um, <laughs> but she basically recruits the girls um, all over the state. And she asked me like, what made me want to be a part of Miss New Jersey, the, the whole pageant system and kind of what my day, day-to-day -day is like and what my passions are and what I see myself doing in three to five to ten years down the road and I love getting questions like that like I love really envisioning my future in that in that sense um so it really kind of gave, gave me another focus and it, it was I was like oh I love that they have this interest in the girls and and they really want to know more than okay so 
what's your what what kind of modeling so resume you have you know I'm not a model. Like <laughs> I I love the entertainment industry. I've kind of been in in proximity to it, but it's not like um I was ever really comfortable, I guess, with being the in in on camera or whatever. Or I just mm -hmm. didn't feel like that was my place just yet. So yeah. Um once I did the interview uh and kind of went through the whole um I want to say preliminaries, but the the preliminaries is a specific part of the pageant pro process um but yeah so the first part that was just the interview and then kind of planning out um how you're going to prepare <laughs> um but yeah so interview was done the following day i got the email to confirm that they had selected me to be one of the contestants and so <laughs> i didn't know what to think i really did not know what to think i was just like um okay this is weird this is interesting you know because i'm i'm very much like behind the scenes like if you look at my instagram like the dates for posting is so spaced out <laughs> uh because i'm not like um but yeah so it was the next, next day where i got the confirmation email saying that i uh got accepted to be in the pageant as a state finalist for new jersey and then it was like okay so here are the requirements we're going to send you emails from uh here on until the pageant so that you can kind of check things off your list. list and we won't you won't have to be so um overwhelmed with everything like they did it in um like if you needed to submit it, like these two doc documents or this one document then they'll do it they'll space it out but yeah yeah it was there's a lot that goes into it cuz you have to plan for your wardrobe you have to plan for your um uh your stay so part of uh, a big part of joining into the pageant is actually the the sponsorship fee and that was a whole new world for me cuz they were like oh you can um ask businesses to help sponsor you and i was like i don't know like i'm a little shy like <laughs> i don't know if i want to like go door to door to businesses and, and ask them you know so that was one big hurdle i guess as i had to like get over um but it was good i i liked that i liked the whole process of getting everything together and started and and really talking to people about why i wanted to be in the pageant in general okay okay um look i was trying to process everything so um just real quick um because um somebody did say send you a um, piece to read uh so i was going to say you could send us pieces fine and like once like after a certain point we'll start reading pieces and stuff like that mm -hmm. um you could send it to me leon and kay salas as well um my question to you is are you able to access your inbox while on on the live i'm just curious uh i don't know oh i mean i could just pull up let me see All right, but why are you doing that? Uh, I guess my question is okay. So, like, walk me through like, 
Um, so you're at the pack. So once you're at the actual pageant, so what are some stuff that you have to prepare for mentally, physically? Like, like walk me through that. What do I have to prepare for for the pageant? Right, like so, I say, because I know. Yeah, go 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 ahead. Sorry. So, so I would say the first thing was getting the wardrobe ready. So I was. Was literally like scrolling through. No, before I started scrolling through like a dress shop, dress shops online, I went to a few dress shops in my area, and I just wanted to see like what was what was good for like my body shape. Like, how do things fit? Like, if I'm gonna be losing weight, like, where do I wanna? What what size do I want to land in, you know, and kind of envisioning how it would, how I would look at that size already. Um, and just like kind of figuring out what I personally like, because I, I, I haven't really been wearing gowns for a really long time. So, you know, it was kind of fun to like play dress up. Yeah. Um, but I ended up just buying my my wardrobe online and on a couple of different sites, and that was really cool. They they came on time. I mean, that that's so hard when you're like finding things on uh, on on like websites that you've never shopped on or you don't see like a physical store for. It's like a shot in the dark. Right. Um, yeah. You have to like fulfill. Yeah. But I made it work. I made it work. <laughs> Um, and then I'd say the next thing that I had to prepare for was like the kind of like the audacity to be on a stage, you know? And mm -hmm. so, yeah, coming um, over those fears. Yeah, yeah, because you can, like, it's so, you want to say it's easy. Like, I want to say it's easy to put on an outfit and like just take a picture or whatever, but it's not. And so, there was a lot of people that I felt very comfortable with telling that I um, was going to be in the pageant. Yeah. And they were, the more that I like talked about my concerns or, or like my, the things that I'm like a little paranoid for because it was my first mm -hmm. pageant. I've never yeah. done pageantry. Like that was not a thing in my life. Um, but it was like, the encouragement that I got from these people, from my friends, from my family, from people at work, um, it was insanely encouraging and, and, and empowering, really. Yeah. Um, they, I feel like the people that I work with were really a big driving force for me to gain that confidence to get on stage. Um, because they a lot of I work in the fashion industry, mm -hmm. and so I work with a lot of uh, really big creatives and uh, people who are who were models and you know do, sometimes do things outside of work uh, that coincide with uh, the entertainment industry. But it was that was that's what made it easier for me to kind of uh, ask them how should I walk. How should I move my arms? Like, do I look like I'm, it's natural, you know, because it's so hard to, 
to do something brand new and not look like you're lost. <laughs> exactly. Like you're a professional. Um, I was going to add to that because, and you know, I respect you for going through the process of what it takes because I think from the outside looking in, unfortunately, some people are like, oh, patent she is easy. All you got to do is just put on a dress, look beautiful, and walk. But there's so much that goes into it behind the scenes, the more behind the scenes in which you actually see front face. And I'm glad you have brought up all these things. And um, I, if I can interject my own self, when I was um, from the ages of 13 to 17, I wanted to get into modeling myself. Um, and yeah, the going to, um, I would have to go through these different like um, interviews, not interviews, but these, Basically, these big lines, you know, um, even to this place called Barbizon oh, and everything. Yeah, they're and, big. I feel yeah, like everyone exactly. has like a contract. Everyone, like a lot of the models that I've met, like they're assigned onto them. Yeah, yeah, Barbizon. And I remember going to Barbizon and everything, and like um, they were like, "Oh yeah, we've had Ashton Kutcher, Jessica Bill," and they were just going name dropping like all the people and clients they've worked with. And but then um, when they told me the process and the money you have to put in, the time you have to put in, like oh you have to spend like eight weeks doing this. Well, we'll we'll personally hire you um, a diet a dietrist, and you know you have to work out and do this and that. And then after like a certain amount of yeah. weeks, we'll either fly you out to New York or fly you out to L.A. And then you can do it. And like th there was such a, a process and and just um, something when I really found out like. Everything you had to do, the hours you oh had to God. spend, God, yeah. and the time. I, just, I couldn't. Like, yeah, I was just. It's like, not like I had the time to go to a like a studio and practice my walk. Like I definitely, I know that mm -hmm. a lot of girls they do that, you know, because it's yeah. it's because a walk, the walk is a it's a choreographed thing, you know, like mm -hmm. you have to practice that. And I was just really happy to have been open enough and um, close enough to my job and my coworkers and my colleagues, you know, yeah. that they were, they weren't looking at me weird if I like brought my, my heels and like started strutting down the hallway or like throughout the office. They were just, they were hyping me up the whole time. And it was just such a, it was a great experience. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's, no, that's awesome. It's always awesome when you're able to get, like, um, that validation and that encouragement from, like, coworkers and peers. Um, were there any people who, I guess, tried to dismiss it or look down upon it or were skeptical that you're like, you know, I need to do this for me, um, regardless of how you feel? Like, this is my dream. This is my goal. This is my passion. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just everyone was just so on board with me doing this i don't know it was it was just really nice they even and i gotta say this because i'm i'm it's gonna definitely pop up and um later on but uh my my job has been so supportive and they have they literally have gone so hard they literally went the extra mile and um our bosses decided to uh do a whole live stream party at our office over the weekend and mm -hmm. they streamed it and it was like a it was a thing you know i felt oh, like yeah 
I think about it, I'm just like, oh my god, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> like, it's just oh, the nicest. Yeah, it's yeah. it's amazing to to know the type of support and the type of people that I have that's supporting me. You know. So, um, so at the actual event of like the pageant and stuff like that. So, like, once you're there, like, okay, it's your turn. Go. Like, what runs through your mind the minute you walk behind that? Like, you walk out of, from behind that curtain. Like, what's the process in your mind that, like, the first time you did it? Okay, here it is. I'm calling out. Like, what is going through your mind? So first, the thing was so. I was for months, right? Because I was, st I was like practicing for months anywhere that I could practice, whether it was in my house or in um, at the office. I was just like, "How am I going to do this? Oh my god! Like, do I look? Like, I'm thinking, just how do I look? How do I look? It's not. Um, but then I changed. I changed what was in my head, like my conversation with myself. It was more of like, how do I feel? You know, do I feel good? Because that's w how it translates, you know, visually. So, um, I really <laughs> the first day that I arrived to um, the pageant because Friday we arrived and those are for um, for everyone to just come in, uh, kind of meet the other girls, get acquainted, um, check into the hotel rooms and stuff, and. I wasn't able to uh, rehearse um, during the day because you, first thing is you have to go through like the interview process with the judges and um, then you can go and rehearse because they give you your sash afterwards. I ended up going, I ended up being like a part of a last group of girls to go um, interview with the judges. And so by the time that was kind of like in my head or by the time I was done with that and I was ready to go rehearse, I was already like, yo, I don't want to be sitting here anymore. I don't want to have to wait. Like, I just want to be on stage. Like, I'm here for a reason, you know? I'm really like driven and, and like, if I have a, if I have, a, like everything I do is just for for a reason for the passion of it and like i practiced for so many months i was like i'm ready to be on that stage <laughs> yeah so yeah exactly you're gonna go right once the date arrives. yeah and i want to do like the rehearsals as much as possible because i'm, I'm a newbie so um so yeah that was like my first day and then the following day um we were in rehearsals for like three four hours um because it was like 9.30, uh, no, 8.30 was when we finished up breakfast and we went to um, start rehearsals. Once everyone was there, like, uh, we just went, right? And there's so, so many girls. There was 119 girls. That's just for the Miss portion of it, right? There's two divisions. There's teen, and then there's the Miss. So... The miss was later on in the day, and we were done by, like, 12.30-ish, right? Because we had to go start getting ready for the evening, like, hair, makeup, all that. Yeah. Um, so by, by the time I was maybe in hair, getting my hair done, um, I had gotten, like, a bunch of text messages, a bunch of videos from my friends, and it was just all words of encouragement 
And that was the biggest thing that really boosted my confidence and um, was literally the thing in my head that I that I was thinking of right before walking out onto the stage. Because um, I had one, I had one uh, coworker, he sent me a video with another a friend of mine and his demeanor just all the time is just very calming like he has this quote that will always stick with me um borrow your confidence from your future self mm. and wow that like has that. always stuck with me since i've met with him and trained with him so to see that video Video, just to see his face and, and feel that the energy and, and the emotion that he was conveying in the video of encouragement like it meant so much to me that when I saw the line moving to go on, on stage for the introduction I was like I'm gonna do Ricky right like he is the, the epitome of fierceness to me and I need to like really represent him well you know um, as well as represent everyone that has been supporting me well. Yeah. No, that. I mean that. I, that's, that is, yeah. Oh no, go ahead. No, go ahead, Andy. No, 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 no. You go ahead. You go ahead. I was just agreeing with you, but yeah, no, go, go ahead. I was just saying that um, you know um, once again, the fact that you had an amazing support team to um, back you on your journey is. And incredible and of course you know I, I can only think and imagine when that happened you're like you know what I got this I got oh this. yeah it was <laughs> like a, a switch turned on you know it completely mm -hmm. different it was it was like I'm on stage like I don't think I've ever done that before but it definitely was a key moment it as a growing experience yeah okay and um so talk to, okay so so talk to us about that switch like what is that switch like to you because i know like you're you're one at like you're on one side of the spectrum of okay okay it's about to be real and then the minute you walk out that stage you said that like, like a switch just turned on like walk what what is that switch to you like how do they feel like if I don't know if that makes sense what I'm asking as far as the switch. Like, it's something mm -hmm. about that switch that just turns on like that. Yeah, because it's, like, like, it's, it's, part. it's like entering a new level, right? So, yeah. oh, before I continue, I wanted to let you know that, yes, I can read the, the poems um, whenever you oh, decide cool, to feel cool. Them. Okay. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, so um, what was that switch? I don't it was just the the knowing that I was already taken care of like the way that I looked was already taken care of by um the team which was the Demelio Cosmetics team uh they have a really great like group of hairstylists and makeup artists on their team and I was like I know that I'm gonna like look good I looked I, yeah. I've shown my closest friends my, my wardrobe and I've practiced uh, at work and with my roommates, to be honest. Like, they know, they've told me, like, my walk is good. Like, I look like I know what I'm doing. And I was just like, let me hold that in. Let, 
-hmm. Like I accepted, you you just have to accept it, right? Like you just have to say Mm -hmm. yes. And then your, your emotions have to follow your emotions. You have to allow your emotions to follow that, you know? So Mm -hmm. it, it was like, okay, I have confidence in what other people are going to see. Now it's for me to actually feel that. Yes, to put it into action. So that walk on the stage when you finally um, had, the, you know, had your moment when the spotlight is on and there's the judges and then there's like the people um, and of course there's like the other there's the other women. So that um, walk, um, walk me through that. Was did you feel when you were walking on that stage and you know the lights and everything and the judges? Was it an adrenaline rush for you, or was it more like, I look like I'm doing good, but oh, God help me. (laughs) I I don't know about everybody else, but definitely for me, it was like, because we were in in rehearsals for like maybe three or four hours. Um, Mm -hmm. There was so much mental preparation already, because I was already there, you know, but to go out on the stage, it's like just knowing where the marks are. That's all I was thinking. You know, I was like, okay, I know I look good. Everything's like everything that I practice for is really like it's it's here. It's here. Now, all I need to focus on is literally walking to one mark if it's the mark that I need to spin at, I will spin. So it was just like a dance, figuring out which part of yeah. the, the choreography I need to hit. So Nothing else really time, mattered. So by the time you got to that point, it was almost like second nature. I, I, don't, I guess. I guess you could say that mm-hmm. because it's like you, you, like everything's, already repeated in your head it's just like now it's like you just go just go you know it's like learning to ride a bike or getting back to riding a bike if you haven't ridden one in a long time you know it's just mm -hmm. right no no i get i get so um earlier you had said right you were talking about you know when you were first going to the interview and then now you're at the place where they do the auditions i mean not the audition but you do the rehearsals and stuff you said that there was things that you had to think about in that process right you were talking about okay what am i gonna wear how much weight i'm gonna lose and all this other stuff um did you have because i know um i've heard these horror stories about sometimes like with modeling um i know what you were doing was slightly different than what the modeling aspect of it. I know somehow they're similar in some way, but did you ever had to wonder in that way where it's like, okay, like, okay, if I have to lose this much weight, if how much of it, if any, and if so, it, was that some, was that even a fact that you had to worry about? And did it, did it, did it? Because I know sometimes mentally, sometimes when it comes to weight, I know sometimes people like like mental health wise, it messes people up sometimes. Like, did you ever had to experience anything like that, or did you ever had to go through that? If that makes sense. I I I know what I'm trying to say. I don't know if the like health coming out right. Why? Like, how was my? Are you talking about like health wise? Just just overall, in general. However, 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 the diet experience. Basically. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. So. I've, oh, I've, like, fluctuated my weight, like, like, my whole life, but more so I've been on the bigger side, like, 
like I, my doctor was like, girl, you need to lose weight. <laughs> like my whole life. So it was, I feel like I've already acquired a lot of different, um, healthy and comfortable diet habits. So when it came to January, I was like, all right, like literally November, December, January or November, December, I was like, let me just enjoy my time right now, but also remember all of the like different like um dietary plans that I've I've um come across. Let me try some recipes here and there, but I don't want to restrict myself. Um then January came along and after New Year's, literally New Year's Day, I was like, um, okay, I am gonna do a whole reset and i guess you could say the first day was literally just me drinking a lot of liquids and mentally preparing myself to to um change my diet um but then also not feel like i'm restricting myself in any way um it was just the first maybe couple of weeks where i was like um very strict on my um sticking with liquids a lot of water um i'm a big coffee drinker but i've always really loved having just black coffee and so i was just really obsessed with what's good for my body and still nutritious yeah. but um what is it it's like you have to go for the high calories and mm. a lot of the times for a high car high calorie um uh food it's uh smaller portions so i was like okay let me get a game plan for myself basically mm. that's okay. what i did that's interesting I literally mapped out yeah i mapped out my my food intake or or like my um uh my game plan was was like for the next two three months or so like i was very wow obsessed almost with it wow so i was gonna ask also leon i know Because I know you do fitness too on your end, yes. outside of poetry, yeah. and I know you gladden and along with other people. Um, in your case, what about you? I guess the same question I asked her, I'll ask you because that's a very interesting stuff she said. Like, what is that like for you as far as changing the way you eat? Because I know that plays a factor a lot, right? Oh yeah, um, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, you know, um, in your bodybuilding you're li- literally you know sculpting the body you know body sculpting and um yeah for me anyone who knows me i love to eat i am not a picky eater i love to eat and uh, <laughs> so my so in the last i would say four or five years like my weight has fluctuated um in 2020 2019 i weighed about maybe 145 pounds, 10, 11% body fat, um, fully shredded. And now I'm personally in this bulk mode, but now I'm trying to be in the middle where I'm not so much um, bulky, 
but it's it's a balance. And so I have a friend I have, I have a friend, he's he's a fitness trainer named um John of John of Steger. And I mean he he's dedicated. He has a full six pack abs and everything. And he's always he's pretty much my unofficial fitness trainer pretty much because I'm not paying him because we're best friends. But he's like Leon, he's like remember like if you really want that body that change up your eating habits. Like you could work out all day if you want to. You can do this if you want to. But if you're not, you know, if you're not um, disciplining yourself on what you mm -hmm. eat um, mm -hmm. when you work out and after you work out, because you have to do both. I'm you have to. So you know, glad you, you said to, the um, word discipline because yes, that was literally like the word that I just kept on repeating. Like yeah, discipline. Mm-hmm all the whole time because it's like if you don't have a discipline or if you don't have that in your mind it's not a focus for you like you're not going to get anything done and like i have um i've all when i was younger i guess i would want to start so many things and i wouldn't finish them so i got to a point where i was like no i can't do that like i need to like not just make the plan, but also put, be proactive in it. And it's, it starts yes. with being disciplined, you know? And, and even at one point I was like, let me write down, let me write discipline and like yeah. write it down and then write a, a word associated oh, like, with it. Yeah, because it's, because when you yourself are putting the words to it, it's because mm -hmm. it, resonates with you exactly like when you see it more on page or on a computer what yeah. have you it's in your face now instead of just in your mind where you're like yeah i'm gonna do this and then you we procrastinate and procrastinate then make excuses but then when we actually see it whether we have to put on a whiteboard or whatever how, however we um, need to see it in front of our face like no i must do this <laughs> i yeah. must do this yeah. Someone said it's good. Misdemeanor artist says it's good to read words too. I write my own affirmations so I can read them as well as say them. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I feel like more people need to put in. Like, if you're trying to do a project or you have a goal in mind specifically, like affirmations are going to be such a help to you and your your boldness and your um your your drive really mm -hmm. all right awesome so, so, i absolutely agree with that um I, especially because there's a lot of people um they have goals they have dreams but then you know, you know we can also be our worst enemy we can also yeah. be our worst enemy and backtrack but if we are constantly like just hammering it home to reaffirm, 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 and just write positive things, even if we have to look in the mirror and say those things to ourselves. Uh, uh, words have power. Words truly have power. You know, uh, just like this Bible verse is one of my favorite Bible verses. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So if you're speaking positivity, yes, positivity is going to come to you. If you're speaking negative on yourself, then yeah, that's going to play out in, you know, your lifestyle.
Wow. Yeah, that's true. That's what I'm saying too because we beat ourselves up so much that it gets to that point that we'll start believing the lies in our mind and in our heart and in our gut too. Like, we'll start believing these things, you know, and it, like, we don't know what the truth is anymore. So it's true. It's true what you're saying, you know? Yes. Uh, hold on. What else? Uh, words are powerful. How we speak to ourselves is, is usually not as kind as we speak to others. Very too true. Very true words. Very oh yeah, words. and you know what? That's the thing. Like, I feel like that's such a. I don't know if it's if the pageant is really what set that off for me because I do agree with the way that you speak to yourself is it impacts how you move through life, right? Yeah, and so. I I don't know if it really was the pageant that made that. No, it wasn't the pageant. It definitely, the past couple of years have been a really big um, change for me. Uh, or just a healing period. In past, well, this past year has been a lot of progress, but before that was more of like a healing journey. Um, so... So, like, my main reason for joining the pageant was honestly, like, doing it for my parents and honoring them because they've already both passed um, from pancreatic cancer. And so with that, like, I lost my mom, like, I lost my dad when I was nine. And that was a, or 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 10 years old. And um, it was a, a, about nine, eight, nine months that he was sick. And then it was my mom, who ended up being like a single mom, and unexpectedly, um, because pancreatic cancer is, is rare, um, it kind of took me by storm when I was twenty. Well, I was like nineteen, twenty years old, and she got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. But she had three, uh, three years almost three years um, in her diagnosis. And so uh, before she had passed. And so I think after that, maybe 2018 is when she passed. I feel like up until 2020 or maybe 2021, that's where I felt like that was my, I would say like my lost years, to be honest. And when I figured out where, um, when I figured out or realized that I was not the same person that I was before she had passed, that's when I was like, okay, what am I going to do to change that? So I did a lot of different like affirmations. I, I had one set of affirmations that I would say in the beginning of the day. And then after, like before I'd go to sleep, um, I had affirmations that were like, maybe not affirmations, but like a routine where I'd like write things down on a calendar, like a literal calendar, and like I'd flip through it every day uh, or every month. But I would write down all the things, blessings basically, each day, like at least three. You know, that was my goal, and that really changed my way of thinking uh, as the year had progressed. To finally, like this past year, I like got like a, a new job. Like I literally, oh. Today is literally the like my anniversary of leaving like an old job that I was just not satisfied with. 
So, <laughs> yeah. And I feel like when, when I did that, I feel like everything kind of just blossomed for me because I had put in that effort, you know? Um, but yeah, like I, I just, after my mom passed, it was more of me wanting to do things for the passion of it. Like, like I don't want to do anything in my life where I don't feel right in it, you know? So the, and I, and the pageant was that, that was the biggest thing I've done to get myself out of my comfort zone. Like everything I do now really is so that I can uh, just experience different versions of myself. No, that, that, yeah, no, that, that's, um, I mean, you know, I mean, I know you for a long time, um, okay, so you know, like, like, what you're saying is true, because I remember my, my dad also died in 2018, um, he died in March, and, um, for, for me, like, what you said, like, though, like, one thing for me was, um, trying to find a place where I had to accept the fact that this actually did happen, because for years, it didn't feel like he died, it, it just felt like I was very, like, I just like they went on vacation, right? And like they're gonna be back. Yes. That's what I felt for yeah, a really long time. Yeah, like I took him to his resting place and everything. But what what I didn't realize was what it did to me mentally and emotionally was that it really put me in a dark place where it was also affecting my marriage for a little bit because you know I was very neglectful. I wasn't really considering my wife's feelings. Um, me and her would get into a lot of fights. Um, I never hit my wife or nothing like that. But I remember one time it was got to that point. Like if I had not left the house, it would be like okay, I think it would have ended up that way. And that was one of those things that okay, I can't carry this on. And then eventually, I think back in I'm gonna say once June, July came in. That's when my um, wife Ted told me she was pregnant. I think that's when my mind shifted now because it was like a whole directional, like, okay, whoa, this is different. Like, okay. Like, yeah, we, we went on vacation before that and all that, but it was the whole... Um, were you guys married at that point yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were married over here because my, um, my dad actually died three months after I got married. Okay. And you know, I wasn't even there. Like, I, like, it's crazy that I'm just hearing about this because I maybe you had transferred locations at that point when we were working. Yeah. I, okay. Because yeah. at that time, um, because by the time I'm trying to think, because um, around that time, especially after my dad passed away, I was already because I was working at another location after they transferred me out of the store that we used to work together in, and um, I remember like just my mindset was it just wasn't there. Like I like I was there physically, but mentally I wasn't there. Like even after I came back from Puerto Rico to bury him. It was kind of like, okay, I just had to go back to my life. Like, I really didn't get a chance to breathe or anything like that. I just had to just move forward and that's it. And, and everything was happening so much at once. My brother was going through some tough times. Um, I was miserable at work because, you know, I just wasn't making enough money. Um, and it, it just, it, bills were piling up. Like, it was, just, it was just a combination of things. And... You know, my dad passed away and then my wife got pregnant. So my mindset had to change now because, okay, I can't grieve in my own sorrow anymore. I couldn't just 
say, okay, I feel sorry for myself anymore, so now I have to worry about the bigger things. I'm going to say, like, I, like, later on, it did get to the point where I started to accept the fact that he passed away, but now it was more like I had to get closure. That's what I needed, and I don't think I got the closure I thought I needed. Like, I had a dream that I spoke to him and stuff like that, and it was very interesting, but the actual closure was last year when I actually finally, after... Yeah, pretty much after five, six years, there's a very, you know, take, you know, it passing away and everything. That's when I got my closure because I went to the ER, I went to go visit his tour finally. And it was a closure because I'm like, I didn't cry, I didn't get mad, I didn't do anything. And it was just like, oh wow, like, like, it's crazy how your body and your mind processes grief too. Like, it really, it's true. Like, it's different for everybody. And like, you sometimes, like that like you question yourself for not crying or like being emotional like in, insanely emotional you know especially if you already are like an emotional person like i'm sensitive you know but exactly. it's like when you're grieving when you're grieving someone who was so close to you from and and they've passed like it's like it's hard because other people also see it and you don't want to admit it that like a part of you has also like gone. But I think the more you really think about how encouraging and, and loving they would be in your life at the present moment with the situations you're going through, I feel like it actually, it really helps. It feels good because, because that, I mean, that's the part where people are always like, they're with you always, you know. You have to put effort into your healing, and it's hard to do, but I'm glad you got to go and see his grave and everything. I haven't gone yet, but I, I feel like with everything that, um, with doing the pageant as well, just to, I guess, to kind of like loop that in, um, it was very much a big closure to me too because this was stuff that she would have loved to do and I would be lying if I said that I didn't have moments where I was just like crying bawling my eyes out thinking of how much she would have wanted to go dress shopping or even like make my dress for me or like go to a go to a, um, a shop in New York and just or uh, what's it called the uh where is it called the not the textile anyways but she would have loved the whole process you know and i feel like the the more i did it it i kind of got this bond bonding uh feeling with her at the same time so yeah uh, i i guess so I, I know what you mean about the bonding feel, especially after like her passing. You know, I know for me, when my son was born, I thought my dad was next to me, cheering me on, kind of thing. Um, I did feel that. Um, very interesting stuff, you know. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, anything you want to add on before we transition to the next thing, Leon? Um, I would say that uh, uh, you know, yeah. Um, piggybacking off what you said about how to deal with grief. And for me, 2020 was a mixture of both, you know, blessings and grief at the same time. And it just wasn't the lockdown that happened. Um, a few months prior, I had like uh, one of my close friends die of a overdose. And then, you know, after that, 
that. Um, I had um, our friend, a brother in Christ, died from died from cancer, and then right after that, I had a <laughs> guy thinking about twenty three. I had like my nana passed away. I lost my job of five years, and then I had a, a roommate I was living with. He got sick suddenly, and then he passed away. And so all of this happened literally like back to back from I would say December of nineteen yeah yeah um two thousand nineteen I mean to uh, the summer of two thousand twenty, and you know by that time I was just you know I still am thinking over it but yeah I, I wasn't you would have thought I would have been just the most broken down person after having all of that tragedy happening back to back. And I'm a very sensitive person. And I I, I wasn't. I mean, yeah, did I get my moments of where I've just kind of been a somber moment and just still and just overanalyzing everything in my own mortality at that? Yeah, I definitely was. Uh, But the point where at the moments where I just, I think, all um, my eyes out, that didn't happen, which surprised me. And yeah, I thought the same thing. I'm like, am I wrong for not? I'm like, I, I should be a, I should be a hot mess, as they say right now. I, I should, I should just be all over the place. I mean, I should be like signed up in some like <laughs> clinic or something, or talking to some therapist. And but I think during that time is where, um, for you it was pageantry. That's where like you know I feel. And for me, that is when my, my writing really, really took off. Um, I was writing all the time. I'm not just writing about things I was going through, but writing about like all the social justice issues that were going on um, during that time, from like the shootings and you know Black Lives Matter and my own grief and battle with myself. So yeah, I can definitely say for myself. Around 2021, it was really when things started happening for me as well. So I think it's just funny how, for a lot of people, that timeline trajectory is the same for a lot of people between the times of 2018, you know, 2020, 2021. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think the lockdown really showed a lot of true colors. I definitely agree with that as well. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, it all makes sense, you know. Uh, it's interesting how we can look back at our lives and be like, wow, this is what it was, but look where I'm at today kind of thing. So definitely, oh, yeah. um, def- yeah. definitely, you know, definitely an inspiring thing, you know. Uh, so we're going to transition into a new thing now um, because it did say we were going to read the room and um, DM pieces and stuff like that. Um, I think somebody did send you one, Karen. So I'm um, okay, so I don't know if you want to um, check your... Uh, DM to see. Yes. All right. So this is coming from Keelan James. It's called The Tide. And um, it's very, it's actually on point with their topic right now. So really good transition. All right. So The Tide. Death hangs in the air when I'm truly happy, but not the bad kind of death, the good kind, the kind that you feel in your chest 
when a song is ending, the kind that you feel when a cute woman walks away from you with a parting with a parting joke and a smile. There are many kinds of death, most of them pretty great. There is a kind that you feel when you wake up in the morning and the rain is coming down thick, and for a moment the world has no business with the splashing, falling, and your mystery of out of your life and story and want to wander out into that thrashing rain and climb in its and climb its beads like a ladder rungs uh, like a ladder's rungs unwant, uh, unwards upwards to dine with gods of mist at their diamond table in the sky there's a death of forgiveness, the death when you finally learn something difficult, the death when you let go, and when you realize you can't. There's one that happens when a woman says no, and another when she says yes, everything is death. Because death is not just a part of life, it's a life's essence. Looking beyond man's perspective, death is just action, a change. A movement in a world of moving atoms, the noble spinning of what spun, of what spun us into being, the lucent tide of life that funds us in our hours of high ad, uh, adventure, is the same that beams when the story comes crashing down. Wow. Oh, that, that was it? Yes. Wow. Man, see, I was waiting for more. Is there more? Is there more? Is there, no. that, that, was, that was it. That was good. That. that was good. I don't know if he's still in the room or not. But I mean, I'll, I'll send him a message or whatever. I think he had a goal or whatever. Um, but um, yeah, that was good. That was definitely good. Um, I know Rainer's in the room. I don't know if he has a piece he wants to, us to read or anything like that. Um, Rainer, if you're here, if you want a piece that you want to share with us, let us know. You can send it to me or Leon or whatever. Um, do you have a piece maybe that you want to read, Leon, that maybe, you know? Oh, for, 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 for me personally? Yeah, or whatever. I don't know. Cause no one sent me anything. And, uh... Um... Yeah, sure, I I can do that. Um, well, while you're looking for your piece, I do want to make a quick announcement. So, um, a while back, I had announced that um, there was a book coming out called Beautiful Poetry by um, Silas Spark Press, and one of my pieces was actually featured in this book. Yeah! Congratulations! So I'm excited. It's right here. I'm excited. So this was an accomplishment for me. So I'm actually, so I, I guess while um, you're looking for a piece, I'm going to read the piece. So um, it's actually posted on my Instagram too. And um, this was, I felt like I needed to put this piece up like as my first piece. And it's, it's a poem I wrote by my father years ago. And it's called From Your Youngest Son. So it's basically like a letter to him kind of thing. So uh, I'm going to read it while you're looking for your thing. Um, this is how it goes. So it's called From Your Youngest Son. Going through your Facebook page, looking at your old posts, memories, laughter, and outies I will always remember. The reality of your absence, the thought of it, I'm in disbelief. It was God's plan. You got that bigger glory you were always talking about. Your last days weren't easy. 
The powerful move of God spoke to me like Jesus when he spoke in parables. The signs of relief, the suffering, the longer in progress, the procedure, the surgery, the battle was won. I am jealous of you. You get to eat at the Lord's table. You get to dance with your mother. You get to play baseball for our Lord. I will see you soon. Your greatest inspiration, my champion, my hero, my father, horrible love you, young son. And this piece you can find in this book, this compilation book I am a part of, and you can actually get it on silentsparkpress.com and yeah, if you want to submit a piece, they'll submit a piece in their subscription services and even their physical book, and this was an accomplishment for me, so I'm happy that um, I was able to be a, I was able to be a part of um, this compilation. This is my first ever publication, so I'm I'm so proud of you. Do you Thank remember you. when you. we were working together and like I would have like books with me? Like a lot of well, most of the books actually that I read are poetry books. And like I remember having like I don't know what which one it was and it was like a compilation book and I you were like, Oh that looks interesting. Can I read it? And I now it just feels so full circle. I get more details of what the thing's gonna be, and you know, I, I'll give more details because right now it's, I'm still doing the, like, the, the, the beginning drafts of it. Mm. I love it. I love it. That, that, you're gonna do amazing. You're going to do amazing. Thank you. Um, so, right now, I'm actually I'm in my um, I'm in my Gmail because that's usually where I send a lot of my um, poetry. But you know what, though? I want to actually read my newest poem. I just, I literally just wrote this poem. Um, yeah, I wrote it yesterday. And it's called The Presence of Love. Oh, how I cherish the beauty your love brings. Like a garden of flowers in full bloom during a warm spring. You amaze me. As the stars arrayed like diamonds across the galaxies, you aspire that brings warmth to the skin. I feel you. I sense you. Your radiant glow shines ever so brightly. I'm held in your affection that holds me ever so tightly. I'm feeling caught up in this boundless energy, bathed in absolute serenity. I feel you. I sent you. Just like a sweet melody that brings joy to the ears, peace abounds whenever you are near. As gentle waves touching bare feet on the sand, the tingles you give me 
sensations intense and beyond grand. As the waves of bliss cover me, or as soft wind across my face, during a summer breeze, this passion that brings about such adoration, so fulfilling to my being, it's absolutely amazing. But now pouring of you, I can't get enough. For you have overtaken me, and I'm captured in the presence of your love. Wow. I love that's dope. I love that. Yeah. What are your What are your thoughts? Oh, and somebody's requesting to come in, Rainer. So I'm gonna let him come in since it's just him at the moment. So I'm gonna allow him to come in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I might as well I'll make it more interactive and fun and stuff like that. Uh, but in the meantime, what are your thoughts, Kay? I love that. I'm. I'm. Okay. Out of the morning, folks. It was beautiful. It was just beautiful. I just, it's so, because when you're in the emotion, when you're in life, like or in love with somebody, like you just let the emotions flow out of you, and like you just react. But then, an outlet like this is just really gives it such I mean it's poetry like you know like it's just sweet it's beautiful and like I don't know who it was about but like it's just I don't know I'd appreciate that being written to me so Raina how are you man how you been yeah good good it's Sunday morning for me here in my part of the world um, okay oh wow yeah it's sort of uh, like uh, ten o'clock in the morning for me, so yeah. Oh wow! Good morning. Good morning and good evening to you in your part of the world. Yeah. yeah. So um, just uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, do you have a piece you want to read to us? Yeah. Look, it was a really interesting conversation before about the loss of parents and uh, loss of loved ones, and I write a fair bit about that. I lost my father when I was twelve. And it was uh, on the 21st of December, so it took me many years to even be able to enjoy a Christmas. And, uh, and funnily, uh, through him going, my mother, was a, she was a young woman at that time, you know, just in barely 40, and she remained a widow for 44 years before she passed away. And in that time, her commitment to love she never even went out for a coffee with another guy. So in his passing, he, uh, I was only a 12-year-old kid when I lost my father, and we were very close. So um, it taught me to accept and get used to uh, loss at a young age. But then my mother's life for the rest of her journey showed me what that unconditional commitment in love is as well. So last year... Um, uh, the 21st of December was a, a significant milestone, quite a few decades since my father passed. And I read, wrote this piece that I'll read now, and it's called A Mood to a Father. I've written many pieces for it. They're always close, always feel his presence near. But this one was just to commemorate that uh, significant milestone. Um, so 
Sunday, it's called an ode to a father. Many decades now long past since you left the earthly shores where I still dwell. It left a great void within me. I was just a mere boy, a boy who now walks tall in grown-up shoes. Still, all that you are flows through my veins. I learned to walk in life slowly finding my way. I always feel your presence near from far above. You stand beside me during troubled waters. Rejoice with me at each success, be it big or small. Whatever may come to be, I feel you right next to me. Your strong convictions inherent in me. I swim against the tides. No mountain is too tall. Your stance for justice is in, in my blood. I fight against all wrongs. When I falter in doubt with signposts, you light my way. When I learn to give up, my passions you deftly awake. In the still off night, as my body lies in slumber, we touch through astral stairways in divine wonder. The river of life still flows as you live through my eyes. I bore this world a son. Through him, our legacy will live. Soon we will meet again. Time lives only on my side. Wow. Wow. That was good. Your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm gonna go with Kate first. What's, uh, what's your thoughts on that? Because I, I think that definitely yeah. speaks in volumes. I definitely relate to that. For sure. Yeah. It was like, I, Sorry. I don't know that. Well, I can't say the exact words that you had just said, but there was a part in there where you mentioned, um, like, like being at, uh, like I guess having a an event in your life and them not being there. It's it's that kind of hit me hard because it's like going through different la life landmarks for yourself and your parent not being there or your loved one not being there. It definitely you will absolutely have a moment in your life or have a moment in there where you're just like, and I, I wish I knew what you were going to say or what you were going to do, and you know. But it's it's always going to be something that you have. Well, it's going to be something that you have to accept when they've passed, but you can't let it affect you so much because you have to enjoy the moment the way that they would want you to enjoy it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, oh. and I think yeah, well, I think if you yeah, I, I was gonna say, I was gonna say to add on to what you said, um, because my father's mother died December thirty from December thirtieth from nineteen eighty five, and I was still young. I was like nine, ten years old, but I remember the transition, no vibe that happened in my house the day he she passed away. I remember that. I remember that my dad became very angry. He was very quiet. He was very to himself, very hurt. And, you know, me, my brother, my sister, just being a family of pretty much five, because it's me, my brother, my sister, my mom, and my dad, and just not really understanding what was going on and my dad being angry. And every year, for a long time, 
time, the year that the the, the, the anniversary of her death, my dad used to listen to her, her little music, you know, because he had you know her little boleros and stuff, and he used to get you know get depressed, get drunk, and my, my mom used to be all like, "Oh, what are you doing?" But as a kid, me not really understanding grief like that, and me dealing with my mental health stuff, you know, and you know, because my mind doesn't really process emotion like that in a way that it's like that I could understand. Like I always understand after the fact. I never understand it at the moment of, or I never really um, like like if someone's getting upset, like I don't really understand why they get upset. Like I, I'll start realizing stuff later. That's just how my mind is, and me not understanding that, and I think that's part of like the grief process too. I guess because I know when my father passed away. It almost got to point where, like, I almost saw myself become like that. And I'm glad I was able to navigate my mind in a way that I don't get to that point. And I think what definitely helped with that was knowing that my wife was pregnant, that my son was going to be born. And I think that's what really helped me a lot personally. Because if it had not been for my son being born, I don't know what what it would have been because the father because he my father died 2018 my son was born 2019 so it goes to what i was saying before i really didn't have a chance to like grieve like that and it was just so many things that i had to just accept you know and i think that's what's hard too when you don't have a chance to grieve because it's okay to have a moment but not stay in the moment because it's always yeah. to have the moment but when you stay there and i was proud of my father he stood there for a long time so I'm like, years and years and years staying there and it, it was me i'm gonna say the last five or i'm gonna say his last seven years eight years that he was around i think that's when he slowly started to stop doing those things and like he never celebrated christmas or new year's like new year's eve he would go to sleep at midnight like i'm going to sleep like whatever it's just he just couldn't cope with just celebration that just wasn't his vocabulary and it He's like that until he passed away, you know. But it's interesting, though, to think how sometimes something, especially like a parent, it can take you to that place, you know. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's, I your, that's your first support system, you know. Like, it's especially whether or not you have a great relationship with uh, your parents, like, their death is always going to. There's going it, to, it, it'll bother you, you know, because my mom was a my mom was adopted so she didn't know if her her mom passed her biological mother passed or her biological parents had passed but like it i knew like just the fact of not knowing those things was a player in how she lived her life you know mm, okay yeah but like it, but in your actual life in your actual um experience i guess from your perspective um have you ever had moments where like um and i guess like it will, will go around i guess like, have you ever had a moment where when you didn't know stuff about your mom or whatever the case is did it did, did it ever bother you of not knowing like let's say if you ask a question let's say you ask her a question and she gave you like a half ass answer because she really didn't want to do it. like did that ever bother you at times i know for me i used to get angry because i'm like i would ask my dad questions that he never wanted to answer them or instead of just saying i don't know he would tell me my, my business or whatever all oh, like don't don't why are you thinking like that and i think it has to do with generational stuff too because he came from a time that you know you gotta shush you're not supposed to talk about your personal stuff like keep it to yourself 
So, like, in your experience, like, like, how did that work out for you? I mean, how, how did that, how did you view all that in your oh, life? Why your mom relationship with my mom was very playful. So, it was like, I don't know, we were just very playful when it came to certain things. Uh, I like asking her questions. And we used to, like, have a lot of uh, moments where uh, we, we would just have full-on just conversations about anything, you know, just pick a topic. It was almost like a debate. Like, we would just go banter back and forth. And those are the most fun. Those are, like, my favorite moments to, like, look back on because it was just, like, it was a serious topic, but also um, we didn't take it too seriously because we're getting different viewpoints. We're getting different right. viewpoints. And um, I don't know. It was – I don't think uh, – no, I, I don't think she's ever, like, left me on a cliffhanger uh, like that, I guess, where it's affected her so much. But even if I would, like, go back and say, because, um, like, I feel like, like you're, you're, the example that I can uh, bring up is that she'd be like, I don't know, like, I would ask about, let's say, the sun. She's like, I am not a scientist, and I am not a teacher, but... <laughs> maybe you might know a teacher you can ask and like I don't know it just always made me more um, uh, more proactive in the things that I wanted to do and what I wanted to know and so like I don't know I feel like that in itself if she didn't have the answer I'd go find it somewhere so mm, okay. Am I, am I, okay what about am I you answering the question no Sorry. yeah yeah, that's fine. It's not right or wrong answer. What about you, Rainer? How does that speak to you? I was very uh, fortunate. My both my mother and father were very um, <clears throat> open. Uh, they never concealed anything from us. We were able to. My, the relationship we shared was we were more like friends more than parent and child, especially. Mm -hmm. Certainly, we had that respect. My father's an inspector in the police, so when he sort of said, "If the boys like my." sibling brother or um, my sister was always quite well behaved if we were getting offline all he'll do is look at us and just go enough and we stopped never had to raise a hand to us physically to punish them we had that respect and when mum and dad would laugh and joke like friends we'd go to a rugby game or a football game we were like friends but when they said draw the line that was enough that's all we had to do so we had the respect right. and in the same way i brought up my own son that way and um when i leave this world if there's nothing else i'll leave to this world is his beautiful soul uh we're friends we were flatmates after i split up in my marriage we were flatmates and then we were father and son so i'm blessed with that uh as well the other thing i might say is in discussing loss and, you know, all writers within this room here, never underestimate the power of your words. When I read, posted that piece uh, in December that I just read, the number of people around the globe that reached out who also lost their husbands with two, with one or two young boys, similar age to what I was, and it, they were in turmoil. It is in the recent sort of last year or two and what it did was my words gave them incentive to know that there's hope for their boys although they lost their father at a young age so never underestimate the power of your words you know
Rick. Um, and I always believe now, I know you've got a young child who's just turned four. Um, so my advice as a parent is don't look at them as your children, but look, them, look upon them as your friends. Especially in this day and age where there's a lot of peer pressure with social media, with drugs, this and that. As I always said to my son and my two stepkids who were two and a half and four when we got together, the chances of you doing something in life that I haven't is very slim. But if you come to me and speak in honesty, I can help you deal with that. But if you lie to me and I go and bail up somebody against the wall innocently, then that's wrong. Come to me with yeah. the truth. Doesn't matter what mess, however hard you mess up, come to me. I've grown up in the streets. I know uh, how, what I can and can't do and how to deal with life situations. I've lived through racism, lived through all kinds of shit. So come up, be honest with me, and I'll help you deal with it. And I'll keep, keep those doors open. And more so now for like, as the generations, we get more and more permissive and more and more temptations and more and accessibility to drugs, everything like this, the racism still still goes on. So I think keeping those open channels is very important. Uh, if you've got time, if you'd like to, I'd, I'll read a piece from my second book I put out recently um, called Father's Wish, which sort of shows how I view sure. my relationship to my son, if I may. Sure, no, right. don't, 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 yeah, go ahead. Offer it. Okay, so there's the image that goes with it. Right. Oh, wow. Um, you drew that? No, I've got an um, illustrator from Indonesia that I use. Uh, his, and the way I adopted his, I never told him what to draw. I wanted him to read my poems and portray artistically what emotions stirred within him. Uh, this piece. This is called a father's wish. I have chilled already with that, with that explanation. <laughs> yeah. I will fly you high upon my shoulders, reach as far as my heavenly wings can fly, to place you upon the highest mountain that is within my reach. When I am no longer of flesh and blood, imprint your footsteps on a path of your own. From the mountain I place you upon as a foundation, launch your young life to fly as high as you can. Do not strive to be as me. I have run my race with the wolves. Start from where I end. There is no need to retrace my steps. Saw my son in the winds of heaven we know as life. From where I cease to be, find your way through life's maze. Discover parts. I never travelled. Your journey is for you to own. Falter not in fear of doubt, for my strength I have instilled within you. When I am no longer of the flesh, I will ever be your guiding light. In times when you falter, you will hear my gentle voice. Feel my hands upon you as I stand you back on solid ground. Know in all your heart, my son, that you will never walk alone. Wow. That's wow. beautiful. Yeah, that absolutely amazing. Oh my God. And honestly, I might not have much in my life, but I'm blessed for the relationship I have with my son. 
uh, I'm a rich man for it. Wow. I can tell you poured out everything. You definitely poured out your essence and your soul into that. It's thinking of that poem you wrote, it was to him encouragement, affirmation. It was your outpour of love, how much you care about him. And also it was like at the same time, it was like writing your own poetic eulogy in a way. Yeah. So it was all of that um, encompassing how it just came out, the way you just worded it and everything that came out, just so beautiful. And sometimes it's amazing how life can gift you when you least expect it. In December, right on uh, the 21st, we had, I usually go to a few open marks here in Melbourne. <clears throat> and when I was reading that piece that I wrote to commemorate my father's that significant anniversary of his death, my son had been wanting to come to these open mics for many, many months, but he's the young fellow of 25, he's busy, he never could never make it. Of all days, he made it to that open mic when I read that piece for my father, and I read this piece, so the, the energy and the love, I could see his heart filled with pride and with tears, and, and for me, uh, life could not have given a better moment to have my son present in the room when I was reading this commemoration distribute to my own father and my to him uh, uh, I thank the gods for these small mercies you know yeah yeah, it's a real yeah. yeah. Sure. So that's a beautiful moment when you can like hear how your parents perceive you but then also like the the positive takeaways you've taken from your parents and then also your relationship with your children which when you're in the moment you know you're living your life you just you don't feel that you don't understand the immense appreciation you have for them being there so I'm so glad that you can have that outlet and like a, a, a stage really and, and he was there to really support you and hear you yeah. even last night you know um, I hadn't seen him for a couple of weeks uh, because he's got his own place and so forth um, but he rang me up and um, we just hung out together on Saturday night, father and son in town, you know. I mean, I'm blessed for that, right? That's beautiful. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So, um, Raina, thank you for joining us in this. Thanks um, for having live. me, Raina. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, no doubt, man. Enjoy the rest of your day. And, um, all right. Nice to meet you all. Nice thank to meet you again. Thank you. Uh, See you guys. All right. All right. So, so, I did get a DM. From uh, okay, I'm like tired. I'm so sorry, but I did wait, get. Wait, did, um, did you get? Did anybody else get any DMs? I'm just curious. Um, I'm looking. I haven't got anything yet. Okay, I, nope. I did get one from uh, Lushwood underscore Beauty underscore Creation. This is a freestyle by Diamond. So um, that's what it's okay. So. So I'm going to read it. Um, all right. Again, you're more of a freestyle dude, so I don't know nothing about freestyle. Um, thank you for sending me this. Okay. We don't go ham, so I speak vegan. If you know what I mean, it's the haters getting in my way. Ham is hiding like a mug, um, hiding a mug of a motherfucker as I break it down. My haters are high and moody because of fucking hindsight.
But honestly, vegans have a unique vibrate way of energy into form of gratitude. Vegan is my enemy namesake. We talk our shit about vegans that are embracing vigorously when Jesus anointing calls upon us. I'll be trying to stay consistent on what I love to do. Brainstorming successful thoughts into brain while writing affirmation and creating dreams broad. Don't let the naysayers pump you into your body. It will piss me off or gas you like a Lamborghini without me reciting poetry for the humans. Thoughts. Come on. Thoughts. I talk a lot. I don't know. So, you first. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was not all, all at once. It was good. Um, it was just all, all a lot at once for me and process because um, it seemed like, you know, it was standing for like People being vegan or people judging vegans to um, also talking about, you know, their own personal self, I guess, against people who have judgment, judge, judgment against them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know I mean? That's what I got. Same. Yeah. No, I, I had the faith though, too. I think that's what it comes down to, too, because I think what happens is I, I took that as, you know what, we all have a viewpoint of life. Sometimes, and I just feel like sometimes um, people try to discredit you for that. Like, oh, because if you don't see things their way, then it's like, oh, then, then it's pointless. I'm like, okay, but, you know, it's like we could agree to disagree, but, like, I don't have to agree with everything you say, if that makes sense. And I think that's the problem with society. It's like if the minute you disagree with something, it's just now it's a whole catastrophe. It's just... um. I don't know, like, okay, like, if you're vegan or you don't, you're not vegan, whatever, that, that, it is what it is, but to tell somebody, let's say, oh, well, you, you, you're you dumb for thinking that way or whatever the case might be, that's, that's ludicrous. Which is it not proactive, really like and it no? doesn't really give you a great look to just be that, because whether, it, let's say you're the vegan, right, and, like, you have one way of thinking of how, like, life should be lived, um, and then you just don't agree with another person who's not vegan, you know, like, that is, it's not doing any service to the vegan community, um, and it's not, uh, even if it's coming from a place of, I want to help you, I want to, uh, make your life better. No, it's more like, I personally, if I'm talking to somebody who's trying new things, I always push them to try try it, to its fullest, experience it, because you never know how, how you're going to react or how maybe even your body will react. And maybe it's better if you do go vegan and then you take the steps to really uh, incorporate that into your lifestyle, right? And I think with anything, don't, I would not advise to just go with whatever people are saying like oh I, there there are things people will say like i don't judge you for this which is why would anyone why would you let anybody's judgment come uh to your mind when you're trying to expand your perception you know exactly so exactly. that i mean 
I feel like I'm, I'm faced with this kind of thought a lot because especially recently when everyone's like, okay, well, why did you want to do passion or like what, like, and my answer really is to just expand my, my viewpoint. And that's a beautiful way to think. Um, that means that you're open-minded and that means that you're trying your best in your perception to be um, understanding um, and try to be as unbiased as possible. But, you know, of course, we all have our own kind of, you know, biases, of course, but... Like, life's not linear. Life's not linear. It could be different for, for you. It could be different for me, but whatever just makes you feel good. Amen. Oh, um, Leon, um, somebody sent you something. Yes. Um, Caroline, she goes by Caroline Creative Corner. Um, she's a, she's a good, um, friend of mine, um, that I, I've, I've known on here for a couple of years. And the poem she has, uh, it says, a perfect storm gathered that summer 2016. And the poem is actually based on, um, it's actually based, she has a picture to it. It's actually based on a real storm that happened. Um, in August 2016, prolonged rainfall from an unpredictable storm resulted in catastrophic flooding in the state of Louisiana, United States. Okay, I do remember this. There was like that big rainfall back in 2016. It was almost like Hurricane Katrina all over again. Um, so yeah, I do want to um, read this. A perfect storm gathered that summer, 2016. A month before an eyeball nameless storm unleashed a disastrous deluge of 31, 7 trillion gallons of water over South Louisiana. A controversial shooting death of Alton, Alton Sterling as police responded to a robbery call. And two back and Rouge police officers were killed in following days by protesting outsiders. Dark cloud, a perfect storm of racial tension felt in the eyes of hatred. Daily life of doctor's offices, shopping for groceries, no smiles or words of greeting. The angry eyes said it all. Then came the no-name storm. Why no name? All of the water, but none of the wind required. Of a named tropical storm. Weather forecasters predicted flooding, waters rose in rivers, in drainage channels, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. All eyes were glued to TVs, river gouges, and streets. Blood it did damaging 146,000 homes in South Louisiana, Cajun Navy to the rescue. All ethnicities and complexions, literally in the same boat, neighbors helping neighbors, strangers helping strangers. We all came together within days. One could tell by the flood looked just who had been continually hauling soggy belongings to curbside. It was in the eye. A friend's tattooed bracelet shows how deep the water had been in her home. 
now a heavy rainstorm it makes PTSD of armophobia, a fear of rain, and so many. It was in the eyes of people in line at the post office. I gave one woman the little money that was in my wallet as she cried. When Greg tipped $20 to a busboy whose eyes had told the story, tears came to his eyes as he told us of his four children in a home underwater. Acts of generosity were the currency of August 2016. I thank God has sent the awful storm to teach us what really matters. What really matters. Wow. Wow. Caroline, I don't know if you're on here, but... That was wow. really compelling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to know, Caroline, because it seems this poem is so personal. So were you in Louisiana when this happened or were you li living in Louisiana because this this poem just sounds um, so personal yeah. and just the way you were telling us different stories of the different people from all backgrounds who had like lost somebody or, or something in this uh, storm and the fact that you brought it back to days before it happened the perfect storm of um, the shooting of Alton Sterling as well, which I remember that was a whole big thing in the media during that time. So, yeah, this was this was truly powerful. Wow. Um, anyone else had any um commentary? Um, yeah, you know what's funny? Now, if I could put it in a per like in a different perspective of that, I look at it as like this is our life. Put it that way. Like, especially, you know, you and me, we're, we're men of God, so you know this is how our storms feel like when we're going through spiritual warfare or we're going through a tough time, and it feels like that. Like, it feels like everything was all over the place. It feels like a storm in that way that what was once positioned somewhere gets repositioned somewhere else. And then it's like, all of a sudden now, the thing that I had positioned somewhere got lost in the shuffle but now I can't find it but I think the problem is in, in a store like oh, there's a tornado or whatever you know how sometimes in a tornado it takes everything it just throws everything all over the place I took that as like I, I think what it was the reason why it got removed from that position is because maybe it's not meant to be there so what was meant for bad to what was meant for pretty much to, to destroy everything of you was it's really meant for something good but we just don't see it at the this don't happen, but rather we see it later on. Like, oh, that's why that's not aligned with me anymore, because I have to get rid of that thing. But it sucks that you had to go through a tough time in order for you to learn the lesson, if that makes sense. I, I don't know, that's the way that's supposed to be. Okay, you were going to say something? I feel like with trauma and the hardships like that, that it, it's, it's like going to the gym emotionally. Like, but forcefully, you know, like you don't choose for this stuff to happen, but it's made to build your emotional muscles to the point of you being able to carry yourself in a better way and be able to like move through life in a, in a, with more strength, you know, because it, it does definitely, um, 
you can let trauma affect you but when you have also other people there to uh, kind of like who are experiencing it with you it almost is like it definitely is a support um to you and also like because she said something about how um there the storm took took everything away and then you could only see there are people that are um also there without you know their their lives also got like taken away by the storm too so it's almost like you all experience that situation to better yourself and like i said earlier like depending on how you um like there's no way you can figure out uh how you're gonna sorry i'm like rambling on and on but <laughs> basically like basically um i was really thinking of how uh it really is like a like going to a gym and bulking up, up emotionally really yeah i i i definitely understand that analogy i get it because like you know it when you are doing that it's like it's testing you and going beyond what you thought your limits were like mm-hmm. how can i handle will i be able to handle this weight will i be able to handle this pressure so i know absolutely so now now this is good because it's open because again because we are still you know even though we're in this in the poetry portion of your live um this is good because now this opens up some questions so has there ever been a time in your life that it was like that for you and did you ever have a time in that one storm or that one season in your life that you felt like okay i don't want to feel like i don't want to be in this situation anymore whether this changes or i'm just done like have you ever had a situation that in that way for you talking to you okay oh okay okay uh i mean definitely my mom's death was the biggest storm so far i would say um but i definitely like my grieving process and my coping process has always been like okay this is this is the craziness that my life is is at at the moment what is going to make me uh how can i grow from this and sometimes it's a what is going to distract me from this emotion and for me right off the bat when i realized that was like i need to acquire more like a new ha- uh not a habit a new hobby because it was wow. like checking things off the list making myself feel like i've accomplished something and not get so in a rut because you know no i was feeling emotional over the situation or like i was really thinking about her last days or whatever it may have been but when you are able to just cross something off and feel a sense of pride in something you've done that's that's i think that's the best way to like cope with something you're going through wow yeah I agree with Sean that one. Um Caroline says I felt that way when my brother killed himself in 1985 at age 31. Yeah, that um like you know, I don't lie, suicide is uh it's a ve- god like 
I mean, I've had friends that committed suicide as well. Some of them, one of them was like accidental, and one of them was just like on purpose. But it's like, um, I, I, you know, I, I guess you know, I've had those thoughts when I was younger. Like I remember one time me taking like a whole bunch of my mouth pills, trying to kill myself, and I had to go to the hospital, kind of thing. Um, like I, you know, what it is? I, I guess because maybe the influence around us puts us down and it gets to that point that okay you know that that makes us not want to take care like just don't want to be here in this life anymore um, i know for years i, ha- I had gone through depression um i remember 2013 i, I talked about it before where I, I almost jumped off the roof of my building if it had not been my brother my wife texting me my wife was this is when we were friends at the time but had it not been for that, that text you know who knows what would have happened you know so it's just I don't know. The universe is just interesting like that sometimes. But I always wonder, you know, and me being now me being a man of God, stuff like that. I always ask myself, well, why does God allow that to happen? Even though, like, yeah. you know, we're I, I like, I feel like, like I don't think that. I think that later on, the why. I always, my first thought is always, but what's next? Because I'm a big planner, and I don't like to not. I, I'm very much about the details, so just knowing what, what is next makes me feel more secure in situations where I'm feeling weary, like, or I'm thinking of something, or I'm going through something. Like, it's not being me being dismissive, it's me of, like, knowing I have something else to look forward to. Okay. And hopefully, whoever is going through a situation like that has at least one person in their corner to remind them of it. Yeah. And I think, because I'm saying, it's like, but what happens when you do have that and it's not enough? You know, I think that's what kind of kills me, too. Um, Not my friend, but I had a friend of mine one time that had a friend that was going through a tough time. And I I remember remember he called me saying, yo, dude, he just took his life on my way. But what happened, like kind of thing and he was always trying to be there for him trying to make him laugh whatever you know he would hang out with us at the bar hanging out and yet you know he would have a good time with us but yeah it's like i don't know like, like it's just stuff i think about sometimes like i i just like damn you know and it sucks it sucks when stuff like when one of you have a great support system and yet still that doesn't seem to be enough that that's that's the thing that sucks you know and um yeah, it's just uh, I don't know. Like I always wonder these things, you know. I know I, I'm a I'm a person of um, yeah, the why, but I think about the how later. But then when I find out the how, now I want to know the why. Even though I knew why, I want to know more as to why. If I don't, if that makes sense. What I said it does it does because when those situations happen, um, and of course I've had I've had what like. One of my friends was really close with him. He died. Um, he relapsed, died of a drug overdose. And then I ha- do know people who have also taken their own lives. And I sit back and think, well, what more could I have done? Because I've poured out all this love, all this encouragement, um, all this inspiration. Or why didn't this person, if they were struggling, why couldn't they have just called me when they knew they could have just called me, when they knew they could have just texted me, when they knew they could have just 
let me know. I'm like, and I would have been there. Like, it was, shouldn't even have been a question. But so, sometimes that's not enough for them, though. Like, that's my question. Why is it like that? Like, I mean, there's no right or wrong answer. I guess it's just like, I guess I'm just generally speaking. Definitely a lot of different reasons. Um, like, I just can be, like, chemically, and there's so many, hopefully, like, uh, I like how the generation now is being more proactive in how to treat and support you mentally emotionally like my job now oh they're very vocal about that kind of thing like we have the resources here feel please use them if you need you know but it really de and i'm just like hoping that uh, it just progresses even more from from now on you know that yeah. way it's not like you're holding it in and you have yeah. to do it all on your own one thing I could appreciate about the now, like today, I was saying 1993, no, in 2023, sorry. Uh, one thing I appreciate yeah. about this generation now, one. this <laughs> last 10 years now, um, there's more awareness now than has ever been maybe in the last 20, 25 oh, years. Yeah. Um, and like I said earlier, um, and in 2020, you know, yeah, there was like well, all these different, then, like, what is it like digital uh, or apps for for um therapists uh because staying home was emotional you know yeah like everyone was going through an emotional like and scared moment in their life like 2020 was so traumatizing for everyone i never experienced that in my life when i went to go visit my mom and I had to go through my hand because sometimes the trains be messed up or certain trains just weren't running at certain places or buses I had to take. And I, I cause remember when you and me used to work in Times Square, you know how crazy and crowded that was. Yeah. For me to go see my mom a few times, at that time, I had never seen Times Square so quiet, so oh. empty, pretty oh. much ghost it town. Was I've so never crazy seen it like that in my McDonald's life. I was like, closed. I was, yeah. It was so weird to me. I grew I up in Manhattan, so it's like, where, where our old job is, like, I actually passed by there to see, and it was just crazy to think, like, everything was so empty, like, yeah. I was afraid to even take off my mask, like, and then go to my mom's house, I, even though I had gloves on, let me wash my hands, let me clean my face before I hug my mom, because, you know, she's older than me, I gotta be, you know how I was back in the days, and it's interesting, because, you know, I don't know what's true and what's not true, but I know that the media was like, it was just, it was just freaking crazy because everything was a thing. And not even today, even though the vaccine exists, but there's people who still don't believe in the vaccine. There's people who just don't, they're just not with all that. It's just crazy to think like everything is so traumatizing in its own way. It's like, it's crazy, you know? Um, back, like, like, it's like I said before, back then, this wasn't even talked about. Like, yeah, I came from a time where we weren't allowed to talk about these kind of things. I love the yeah. fact that we could talk about it today. I just hate the fact that people use it as an excuse to behave the way they behave sometimes. And sometimes they're just, oh, no, it's a thing, but really it isn't a thing. I, mm -hmm. I don't know if that came out right, but that's what it's no, coming out. I agree with you. There was like actually, um, what was it? it was like a meme I saw it like a few months ago, and um, the president was basically like, "Yeah, I'm not coming into." It was like animation, like, "Yeah, I'm not coming into work." And then um, the the a 
boss was like, why? Oh, because the barometric pressure in the sky is sending me, and I'm not feeling inspired. Like, what are you talking about? Are you just saying that you're not coming into work because you're lazy? It's like, yeah, goodbye. <laughs> like, get up to work. Wow. Some people use that, unfortunately, but they're, but, you know, and not to dismiss anyone who really does go through episodes of depression or even seasonal depression, because those things are real. They do happen. And a lot of us times, we may not feel in our best way, but we're like, okay, time to truck through it, time to truck through it, you know. But what happens when you can't, though? Like, that's it. It's like, you know what, I'm a, let's put it in I think it's terms. just really taking the day by yeah. what it is. Just having it be, just waking up, up and just living the moment, not adding on any stressors, any other responsibilities. Like, hell, if you want to eat that bucket of ice cream, eat that bucket of ice cream, you know? And then tomorrow. Just worry about Harper later, though. <laughs> yeah. Right, you hear those slogans, oh, you know, fake it till you make it, put on that um mass yeah. smile, and just, how you doing? Right. Bye. You gotta be really, right. really patient with yourself. Yeah. 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 But I was gonna say, um, when I put it in church, Christianity church, check this out, I hate, and, and I think I talked about this with you, Leon, I hate when, let's say you go to church, let's say you're a part of a congregation church, and you tell somebody they're going through that, and then they're like, oh, you know, we just got to have faith. I'm like, okay, but, like, that sounds kind of insensitive when you say it like that. Like, I get what you're saying, but it's like, okay, but um, that's not a good response because I feel like it makes that depression or it makes that thing that's putting you down worse. And I maybe you don't need to be like that, but that's the way it comes off. And my yeah. question is, like, why, like, like, how do you respond to that when you're going through that situation where someone's like, oh, you know, you just got to have faith and believe in God, but I'm like, okay, but sometimes it ain't that easy. And we got to get to a point that we got to stop having responses like that and be like, hey, look, I'm here with you, let's pray. Like, I'd rather, I'd rather you tell me, hey, let's pray together and then see where God leads us rather than say, hey, you got to just have faith and just hold on. Like, I don't know. I just yeah. When you say that, that sounds a little insensitive. At least when you say, hey, let's pray together, then that's a little more like fellowship my opinion yeah yeah i think it's definitely good to have that at least have like a something proactive after you know but go ahead i'm sorry it's all right um yeah no i understand how that can um definitely come off dismissive even if it wasn't the person's initial intention um i i think some people um unfortunately you know especially coming from a you know you know church background and being part of that community as well um we get so conditioned into saying those like slogans that we know to say you know you're praying to lord or I, you know just have faith that i think sometimes that when it really comes to somebody really really struggling there's some people who don't know how to like switch off or switch on and like be have that empathy where you should have where you should have it and unfortunately um it causes a lot more hurt and harm to an individual than it does actually helping them you know even like you said it could be like you know well, i'm sorry no you're going through that 
you know it's like for me i i feel like i've had this i'm glad that you had this question because i feel like it's something that i've really been thinking has been in my mind and like around to me in the past maybe month or so and you know i have a friend who has been grieving the death of someone close to her and it was no matter what capacity they held in your life like it still affects you and you never know how that's going to affect a person so for me it was like oh i don't know if you've ever lost anybody in your life but for me to just say that give a reminder to them of who they have been and my perception of how great they are as a person to me that's what i want to wanted them to know but then also like one i did say being proactive in whatever the next steps are you know like that's a big part of the whole process process is really just knowing what's next and yeah i don't, I don't know we can go ahead because i have so much in my head over it oh like <laughs> hey no but this is good yeah. this is good stuff don't get discouraged okay oh i'm, I'm not it's long. just hey, i don't want to ramble on true. way too much and i'm like not even hitting the question anymore <laughs> no but oh, this, that's the magic of this podcast and this platform it's just Ish. it's okay because you know what you're already because you're going deep with this stuff and I'm like oh wait this is deep you're talking about it oh okay I'm I'm intrigued right now yeah because I do I I feel like you can't just say those things without the effort you know well, effort on multiple parts because you can say like let's say I'm going through something and somebody is like oh let's let like you got to believe that it's going to get better sure but, but you need the tools also um and i feel like not everyone has the tools so at least say thing to somebody that's going through um pain hurt trauma at, right. at least give them a little bit like one or two tools for them to really put in some effort and then it's on them to put in the effort into whatever they decide to do in life because Right. You can't help somebody unless they you a person's not going to do anything in their life for themselves unless they're really motivated to. Yeah. Yeah. So encouragement, encouragement, love, those are things that and effort to even help out, out with whatever they they decide to do or like a little project that they want to do, you know. Those are that's also like a form of love, you know. Long way, long way. If we if we could only express more love, like one thing that was said a while back. This is during um yeah, it is kind of weird what I'm going to say, but I used to watch um there used to be this show called WWE Backstage where they were trying to make it like a real sport so they had to stay on Fox and the Russell CM Punk has said something very interesting. He said that the issue with um I dropped my mouse on the floor I'm sorry um he said the issue with civilization I think is we need to get to a place where um we need to try to understand where people are coming from and what it all comes down to is you know if we can just shut up more and listen more and try to understand where the other person is coming from maybe we can have a better conversation instead of just yelling and cursing at each other all the time you know it's, it's like that's it's like you know it's like that the verse is like be slow to speak 
and be quick to listen. Yeah. You know, there's an old, old saying um, that there's a reason that God gave you one mouth for two ears. Yep. Um, you could, so you could experience to listen twice before you open your mouth to say something. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, especially in this, you know, atmosphere and collective of social media, um, that kind of gets lost um, because, you know, negativity and people just wanting to be hateful and spiteful, it can happen so easy. You could put, like, a positive, you know, message up on, you know, your page or your post, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this person that doesn't even know you from Adam and Eve gives you, like, a negative comment or a negative DM, and it's like, okay, how did you even get here? Because this is not why I posted this picture or this message or this story. Like, oh, I think well, how you hashtags come in. I think we got to be careful what hashtags we use. Sent to me by um, Quill Keepers Press. They sent it to me um, almost an hour ago, and I promised them that I was going to, to read it to me. Oh, I mean, well, it was towards the end, so I guess, Leon, just read that um, piece from Quill Keepers. Oh, I can't talk. Whatever, read, read the piece, <laughs> and then we'll just end the life with um Kay's final thoughts and stuff. So yeah, go ahead, man. So the piece is by Lindsay Lindsay, by Lindsay Poetry. I want to get that right. And the poem is called "My Grandma Calls Me an Old Soul." I do not know what that means. I thought an old soul soul was supposed to feel at peace, but I am filled with an ache deep within my bones. I am left tired, always. My dreams are more than dreams, and I can't sleep. The inner voice of intuition so strong that I can't speak. If the soul has been recycled again and again, then perhaps I'm carrying the pain of 1,000 lives before mine. Perhaps this all ends with me. So does having an old soul mean I have less to learn? I have seen this all before. I watched those around me suffer with their lessons. As an old soul, I think I'm supposed to provide comfort, but I am angry, reckless, I pushed everyone so far away that no one turns to me, and I am ashamed by this. I am failing the last cycle of this soul, this soul that has been through so much to get here. I am so, so painfully aware of my potential and my purpose that I have been smothered by my shortcomings. But there is a lesson here. I can feel it. I will find out in the end. Wow. wow. That's um mm. that's deep. That's deep. So Leon, thank you so much for okay. I don't know what's going on, but thank you so much. You guys can hear me? Oh, loud and clear now. Okay. Okay. So I just want to say um yes, thank you so much for reading that. Um that is awesome. Um we already hit the two hour mark. 
Uh, we already went five minutes over. But guys, thank you for joining us in this special live with my good friend Kay Salas. Um, uh, thank you for talking about just, you know, everything that you wanted to talk about was about your mom, the pancreatic cancer, the pageant, and just, just the overall experience and just sharing peace, you know, just sharing poetry with us and just doing a whole, you know, giving your thoughts and how that opened new conversations as well. So, um, Kay, thank you. Thank you so much. It's good to see you. Thank you. you. I really appreciated the time that you guys have given me. Um, thank you for everybody who has come into live, sending in your, uh, your poetry. Also, Rainer, right, was his name? He's off now, but thank you so much for, like, popping up and, you know, giving us some pieces of your book and your poetry. Leon, thank you so much for, um, you know, also coming in and, and being the host here. I really feel like this was a good first interview. Thank you, guys. <laughs> you know? Um, and then I also did want to just mention, like, um, because, you know, hopefully I get to do more of this uh, because I really am an advocate for um, pancreatic cancer and the awareness of it. And I do have um, Memorial Sloan Kettering uh, linked in my bio for anyone who is able to contribute to the cause to create more, um, you know, find a cure for pancreatic cancer. It's still very much a rare um, disease that it has had a lot of progression in the in medical research, but I'm really passionate about, um, you know, adding more to that because there's, there's, I feel like there's been more people, especially in the limelight, that have been diagnosed, and I would really love to just have, um, you know, that that's something of a life goal for me to contribute um, in this world. So hopefully some of you will do a little bit of... Um, maybe a little bit of research, but then also check out my, my page and also maybe um, make a donation to Memorial Sloan Kettering. 